his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Oh, boy. Wow. What a uh, show we got here tonight. So many great guests, including this one. I'm looking forward to spending the next uh, 25 minutes or so with the director of the Center for Economic Freedom at FreedomWorks in his new book, When Politicians Panic. It's Tom, uh, excuse me, John Tamney. Thank you for coming on to KMOX. Hey, thanks for having me on. It is a major thrill to any time to be on KMOX. Which is really neat. So do you have a connection to this area at all, or do you have a familiarity with KMOX? Well, both. Uh, my wife grew up in St. Louis, and I just, as a sports fan, I, I know about its history. I know about the power of its signal that used to get all the way to Long Island, New York. It's just, it's just a legendary <laughs> oh, yeah. station. It is. Well, thank you for that. And it's good to have you on tonight in your book, When Politicians Panicked. I go back and think about all the different mistakes and all the wrong information and everything that was just changing by the minute and no one knew what to believe. And even the things that you were told you had to believe and the decisions were made turns out to be unnecessary. There are so many things that went crazy when it came to fighting this coronavirus in the United States and really all across the world. And you wrote a book. So when politicians panicked, what um, is the scope of this book? What did you decide to focus on here? Uh, My book is an economics book because I think this is an economic story. I wanted to make sure to have something out there that's so that when the history is written, people don't say that a virus caused uh, a global economic contraction. In fact, panicky politicians caused a global economic contraction. And historians will marvel at that. Because why on earth, if a virus is spreading, would you wreck the economy when history is very clear that the the greatest enemy that death and disease have ever known is economic growth? Economic growth produces the resources necessary to come up with answers to that which historically has sickened us and frequently killed us. And so if they thought the virus was threatening, the only answer was to let people alone, to let them grow, to produce well to come up with the answer to what they felt was a threat, yet politicians chose a contraction. Again, historians will marvel at the abject stupidity of the political class. You say politicians uh, in general. Do you mean a certain politicians, or do you feel like at the beginning, pretty much everyone caved into that first uh, the first coronavirus spending package? They all said we need to get it out as fast as possible. 
Then it was a long time before the next one came in. It was towards the end of last year, and there was a lot of debate on what needed to go out, what didn't need to go out, things like that. And by that time, a lot of politicians were saying the best thing you can do is just open things back up. We really don't need this. However, that was not a majority of the politicians that were out there. So on the very beginning, what do you think the first mistakes politicians started to make? I think the first mistake they made was in doing something. Uh, Politicians always talk about, well, we want to do this to avoid a catastrophe or we want to do this to avoid a crisis. When they talk that way, they ensure a crisis on the way, because what they're saying is we're going to take away your freedom and we're going to imbue very few with, with the right to tell you what to do. Well, central planning most certainly doesn't work in good times, which means it most definitely doesn't work during times of uncertainty. I mean, it cannot be stressed enough, and I make this clear throughout the book. The more threatening to our health a virus is, the greater the call for freedom is, the, 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 the greater the importance of freedom is, mm-hmm. and the greater the logic of freedom is. Think about it. If something threatens you with death or hospitalization, do you really need political force to maybe take precautions? The the Imperial College in London predicted 2.3 million American deaths early on, and politicians freaked out. What if they predicted 10 million? What if they Hmm. predicted 50 million? What about those numbers would cause Americans to say, oh, yeah, let's just throw caution to the wind. Let's go out and, and, you know, hit every bar and party and everything. Americans were going to adjust their lifestyles on their own. They didn't need to be forced to avoid sickness or, in some instances, death. I think that on the business side of it, too, you start to find that, statistically speaking, a lot of these different industries that have already prone to cleanliness were probably in a great position to fight this on their own just for the sake of what we know about the virus now. In fact, when we look at the way the virus spreads and the statistics of where it spreads, and restaurant business in particular is a great example of this, you find that almost none of the spread happens from there. It's from different places. So even as the statistics and our understanding of this change, we still have different economic hardships that are purposely put onto different sectors, which to me is a political, 100% political reason for it. And you still see that to this day. There's so many political ramifications or uh, political lockdowns that are going on that are totally unnecessary. So you still see politicians dabbling into this even now. Oh, yeah. No, I I think you put it well. Um, Imagine if, for instance, restaurants had been allowed to stay open. As you allude, they were already making adjustments. And, And I point this out in the book that even the New York Times acknowledged that documented fact, they did a study on it, that the states that locked down last were actually the states in which the people started to adjust the quickest. They started going out to restaurants uh, less. They started going out into crowds less, as in they didn't need to be forced to take precautions. And so as a consequence, restaurants started to uh, wipe down tables more. They started to separate people on their own. They did not need to be forced because restaurants are in the business of pleasing customers. Their customers wanted mm-hmm. a different dining I, experience. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I wonder, is given the chance. Yeah. Is there a scale to the politicians and their decisions that they made? Do you have a like, OK, here's here's some that were mostly harmless. Here's the ones that were very harmful. Do you have kind of um, a scale or is it just all of them were just all all of them contributed to this problem? 
I, I see. Yeah, I, I don't try to scale it. Again, my view is that politicians shouldn't take freedom, period. And, and I make the argument in the book that um, if we make this about statistics and who did the worst and everything, we're missing the point. Implicit there is that if something really threatens us, politicians have the right to take away our right to work, take away our business. I just don't think they do. As I I would have been against the lockdowns even if the, if someone could prove to me that the lockdowns saved lives. I'm just mm-hmm. against the taking of freedom. Mm-hmm. Now, some will say, oh, but you see, if there weren't lockdowns, there would have been a health catastrophe. But in saying that, they contradict themselves. Because imagine if suddenly people, free people, became a menace to themselves. If, if by virtue of us having the freedom to live our lives as we want, suddenly we were keeling over and dying. That would have that would have created a very quick adjustment among the people right away, as in they wouldn't have needed to be forced if suddenly just being around other people was a death sentence. Americans would have separated on their own. Now, the idea that being around other people is a death sentence, that it's laughable is almost not the point. You can, uh, those who support the lockdowns can't have it both ways. If they're saying that free people just naturally go kill themselves – then, okay, if they were going to do that, there would have been a quick adjustment among the people to suddenly lock themselves down without any kind of political force. Mm. I mean, there are instances with uh, people being close to each other. And I think the example out of New York with the nursing homes, when you take a vulnerable population that are highly susceptible to sickness and you take someone that was infected and put them back in, that made it a lot more likely for them to get it. And you have all those comorbidities that play into it. There are those instances you can look at and say, wow, the government really screwed this up and Andrew Cuomo should be held accountable for this. Outside of that, you look at the general population and the way people were living their lives lives. They were taking all of these precautions on their own, taking their own risks. And it seemed to fare a lot better than when the government was meddling in it like they were with the nursing homes. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think you hit on something. OK, so where did, where was the crisis most acute? Yeah, in New York. What, what happened there? Central planning took over. Government mm-hmm. decided to make decisions for everyone. And as a consequence, uh, we didn't have the disparate decisions, the variety of decisions that would have led to different outcomes. If you don't have government forcing it, probably some people do on their own go back to nursing homes, but the number of quick deaths is lower, which speaks to mm-hmm. the, the, the argument I've made along. Some people say, well, you can't have freedom because there's a lot of dumb people out there. And I say, you're just making my argument for me because there are always going to be dumb people. You know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. heroin and cocaine are illegal, but some people still use them. And, and it's, in a sense, good for all of us that some use them because we find out the implications of using something that maybe is not good for us. And so there were going to be people who are going to say, are you kidding me? There's no way I'm going to stop going to the bar. There's no way I'm going to stop going to crowded restaurants. There's no way I'm going to stop going to raves. You need the people who buck conventional wisdom because you need to find out from them living their lives as they want if their actions are associated with getting sick. Mm. Or, or, and and the, the challenge of lockdowns is they blind us. If everyone's forced to do the same thing, then we don't know. We don't know the answer. Why huh. is the virus spreading? What are the behaviors most associated with it? So you, it, it can't be stressed enough that the rebellious types – are in against the conventional expert wisdom are in many ways your most valuable people hmm. when when a virus is spreading because they tell you by their actions 
what happens if you if you don't do what the doctors say wow. say say is the right thing to do? You know, uh, your book uh, out when politicians panicked. If people wanted to look it up, where can they go? Uh, it's on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. It's in bookstores. It's uh, it's again, it's it's an it's a fairly short, well, uh, two hundred sixty-eight pages economics book, making a case about free people when when they get to live their lives they produce the most economic growth which history is very clear is most associated with with better health outcomes but also again it keeps making the case that i've made to you right now that free people also produce information because if you look back think back to aids in the 1980s there was so much we didn't know uh, very famously, as I point out in the book, Anthony Fauci wrote a paper in 1983 saying that AIDS yeah. was easily transmittable. It can yes, be well, well, actually, how about after the break, we can pick this book up, because um, what I would like to do is ask you your opinion on some of the people that are on the cover of your book when politicians panicked. How about this? Uh, so we'll take a couple of minutes and we'll come right back. This is a good. Sounds good. Uh, John Tamney, director of the Center for Economic Freedom at FreedomWorks and his book you can find on Amazon now. When politicians panicked, we'll be right back on Overnight America KMOX. Always great on Overnight America, we get this opportunity to talk to some really fascinating people. And joining us is the director of the Center for Economic Freedom at FreedomWorks. He's got a new book called When Politicians Panic. John Tamney, thank you again for hanging around and joining us live tonight in St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, thanks for having me on again. It's a thrill. So I'm going to ask you about some of the different people that are on the front of your book. So you have five faces, uh, Newsom, Trump, Fauci, Biden and Cuomo. So let's start with Dr. Fauci, front and center. What are your thoughts on him? Well, I think he is a human being, and in that sense, he's fallen in love with being so much in the news and being the center of so much attention. And and but the main thing, he's a fallible human being, and I don't think this makes him bad. Uh, I mentioned before the break that in 1983 he wrote a paper saying that AIDS was easily transmittable, that it could be passed uh, between husband and wife or family members just living in the same household. Uh, he was very wrong. That doesn't make him bad. It's not science unless there's doubt. It's not science if there's not constant learning and learning from mistaken speculations. What makes him an unfortunate human being is having had a history of getting things wrong on occasion, rather than acknowledge that maybe his knowledge about the coronavirus was maybe limited, that may, he said, we, we, we can't risk that. We can't risk the possibility uh, that we're wrong. Uh, even if people lose their jobs, that's better than, than, than the other possibility. And so he foisted, mm-hmm. he convinced politicians that they should just you know, uh, crash the economy as as an answer because he felt there might be a major risk out there, and I find that a, a very sick, uh, the, a very sick response. So let's look at some of the other people because he's not a politician in the sense that he ran for office. He's someone that you know works in the government, but the rest of the people that you have on your front cover are so Donald Trump, president of the United States. Uh, what are your thoughts on his role in all of this? Um. Very unfortunate. He he could have had a great role. Trump, as is well known, said early on, the virus is no big deal. Uh, so did Anne Wintour, the editor of Vogue. Uh, Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York City, was riding around in subways telling people to go to see movies. Uh, Trump's mistake was that he didn't stick to his guns. 
that he didn't act like a Republican, that he didn't state the obvious that why would any governor choose lockdown, choose the destruction of businesses and jobs as a virus mitigation strategy? If Trump had just made clear that as president, while I, I don't have full power over states, any state that, that does this to its citizenry is going to have a frequent visitor by the name of Donald Trump campaigning against them, embarrassing governors who would do something so abjectly foolish. I think if Trump had taken that tactic, which would have been very Trumpian, he would have given Republican governors uh, the cover to avoid what, what made no sense, the lockdowns, probably would have given Democratic governors cover, some of them at least. And he would have given certain world leaders cover to avoid what made no sense, mm-hmm. at which point he would still be president today. There's no doubt if we don't go down this path of economic destruction as the strategy that Trump is still president. And so it would have been a good political move would have been a good economic move, and it would have been a good move because freedom on its own is a virtue. Yeah. Uh, you also have two governors, uh, both of which had very hard times in their own states. Governor Newsom looking like he could be recalled. People are not happy with the way he's handled this. Governor Cuomo, definitely not happy with the way he's handled it. He's got the nursing home angle, and he's also got the uh, other sexual scandals angle of it as well. So what about these two high-profile governors that were praised by the Democrats? Now we go back and look and realize that not a lot of praise to be given anymore. No, certainly not, and with good good reason. Uh, They chose command and control. They chose to lock down major portions of, of of the economies in each state. Uh, in New York, you look at what they've done to New York City. So many, New York City is the final test for so many people around the world. It's where people go to fulfill their dreams, and suddenly they can't. Uh, suddenly the theaters are closed. Suddenly the restaurants are closed. So much that made New York New York has been taken away, and for what? Uh, you look at California, kind of the same idea. This is what happens when politicians are trying to say they're avoiding a catastrophe. You know they're on the verge of creating one because they take away the power from the people. They take away freedom and foist command and control on them. And so just disastrous and mean-spirited when you look at the people who are basically told overnight, you know, your job or your business is no longer essential. I don't know yeah. what I would have done if they had done that to me. I love what I do. I know you love what you do. Imagine having your work taken from you. It would have been agonizing. Yep. Uh, last person on the front of your book when politicians panicked is President Joe Biden, who took office in January. So what are your thoughts on the way he's been handling it since he's been in office? Um, well, I, I, I put him on there because he kept criticizing Trump throughout. Biden obviously panicked. And Biden made this odd point that it was Donald Trump's job to basically lead a national fight against the virus. What could be more absurd? Presidents aren't elected. There's no there's no power in the executive to lead national fights against viruses. And if that were true, let's remember what Biden's own chief of staff, Ron Klain, said about the Obama administration's uh, fight against H1N1. As he pointed out, go on YouTube and look at it. If, if that had been a serious virus, tens of millions of Americans would have died. So inept was the Obama administration's response. Now, my response to that would be, yeah, well, of course, why would presidents have a, have a dog in this fight in the first place? Why would they play a role? They're politicians. What would they know about viruses in the first place? 
which is why you mm-hmm. want 50 different states having different strategies and everything. And so Biden, in criticizing Trump, reminded us why he graduated at the bottom of his law school class, because it shows he doesn't have a clue about the Constitution he has sworn for decades to protect. Presidents mm-hmm. aren't by, are by constitutional design meant to not be terribly powerful. The idea that they would be given all sorts of power to fight a virus just shows how confused the new president is. You know, if you were to talk to Joe Biden circa, what, 89, he would tell you he was at the top of his class. (laughs) So those things have changed. Um, Yeah. Now that we find that out. But okay, if people, again, wanted to look up your new book, When Politicians Panicked, where can they go? Uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, bookstores. And if it's not at bookstores, get mad at the managers and tell them to have it there. But uh, (laughs) it's 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 very readily available. It's uh, uh, my critics say it's a quick read, but so do my fans. It's a it's a it's a it's a I think a very good economics history of of what took place and and a Mm -hmm. reminder of the damage politicians can do. All right. So you said your wife grew up in St. Louis. She sure did. That's great. Is she a Cardinals fan? She's a Cardinals fan. She's also a Blues fan. She's got a, a jersey uh, from the Blues from way back when. Uh, she mm-hmm. is a Burroughs bomber, I think. That's where she went to high school there. And okay. It's just great. I, I love I love to visit. It, it's a wonderful place and such history there. And, and again, uh, the KMOX story is such a grand story. Um, yes. So it, it, it's really such a thrill for me to be yeah. on such an, such an important station. Um, there's there's a guy, Ralph Bristol, a talk show host in Nashville for years. He retired recently, but a couple of years ago he told me, he said the only city and station I would leave Nashville for would be KMOX. He said to a radio person, it's the ultimate. And so it's a thrill to be on. Uh, you're right, and I, I know exactly how that feels, and each radio person has their own feeling. What's that one station that could draw you away? And KMOX, so much great history, amazing personalities and sports, rich sports history with it all. And I'm glad that you have an uh, understanding, and uh, definitely tell your wife St. Louis says hello. When Politicians Panicked is the name of the book. You can find author John Tamney online and on Amazon with that one or local bookstore. Take a look. Thank you for joining us tonight on KMOX. Thanks for having me. Have a great night. You too. And John joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. We'll take a look at your weather right after the break. It's Overnight America KMOX. A lot of people seem like that interview looking at some of the text messages. Tell them to do more Fauci. <laughs> uh, it's easy to gang pile on Dr. Fauci in a way. Did you see some of the back and forth that happened earlier today? Um, I think it was Jim Jordan was questioning Dr. Fauci. Let me pull this up real quick because I, this has been making its rounds online and it's been definitely grabbing people's attention because they have the different committee hearings and they get opportunities to question how the administration is handling it. Let's normally you, you could see Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul give this, uh, you know, this is all for show, right? There, here's what the science says. Tell me this isn't for show. You're parading around in two masks and telling people that are immunized that have the shot that they have to continue to wear two masks for another year. What's the science in that? And this is good. This is a good um, opportunity, I think, to ask Dr. Fauci, someone that is the face of all of this. Jim Jordan also having some issues, making an appearance and really um, making a scene in, in this and I don't mean seen in a bad way, but definitely something that has been trending online. Take a listen to this. 
what? What measure? What, I mean, are, are we just going to continue this forever? Or when does when does no. when do we get to the point? What measure? What standard? What objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back? You know, I, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? They've been assaulted. Their liberties have. I don't look at this as a liberty thing, Congressman Jordan. Well, that's obvious. As a public health thing. You're making this a personal thing, and it isn't. It's not a personal thing. No, you are. That is exactly what you're doing. We're not talking about liberty. Uh, he goes, no, you are. No, you are. No, you are. Not a personal thing. No, you are. No, you are. No, you are. No, you are. That is exactly what you're doing. We're not talking about liberties. We're talking about a pandemic that has killed 560,000 Americans. I, I, and That's I get that, what we're doc- talking about. But the, 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 I disagree with you, you on think that. The Constitution Please. is suspended during a during a, a, a virus during a pandemic. It's certainly not. This will end for sure when we get the level of infection very low. OK, so it doesn't have a measurable scale of when it'll end. And I think that was the point. I think that when you have this ongoing pandemic and you have this ongoing narrative and no one knows when it's going to end and it only ends when you say it ends. Dr. Fauci makes it political in that sense. And if he's going to represent the United States government, give his advice on how we handle this pandemic, and he could look at it strictly from a medical standpoint, he can look at it strictly from a scientific standpoint, whatever it may be, that's perfectly fine. But he's injected himself into so many politics in the way that we handle it that is contrary to what the science would say. And then even asking a question like, what are the things that need to be on the table for this to end? Because we want an answer. We don't want this to be as long as you want it to be on your whim. We don't we don't we don't want it to be arbitrary. We don't want it to be it's going to be like this forever because, you know, something else will come up and then we'll just change and move the goalpost over and over and over again. And that's the thing. Jim Jordan says, what are the things we need to look for? And if you can't answer those things, then are you really looking at it from a scientific point of view? This is a these are good questions. I think these are valid questions. And I know Dr. Fauci gets tired of having conservatives come up and ask him these sort of questions, but they are valid and he has politicized it in the past. And it's not to say that it's not being politicized right now in a lot of different ways because local governments, states, and governors handle it different ways based on the exact same information. He encourages it in different ways based on the same information. So it's definitely politicized. That was a heated exchange that you may have heard from earlier, and I might have to go back and look for more of it. All right, by the way, the pandemic has changed our lives in so many different ways. And Megan Lynch has been doing a fantastic series called When Will It End? Because so many people want to know that answer. When will it end? Jim Jordan wants to know that answer. In fact, I should probably send this to Jim Jordan and make sure he can take a listen to this KMOX newsroom series. Now, every morning on Total Information AM, Megan Lynch has a new angle to this and talks to uh, different people. And yesterday, Carol Daniel did a great job about talking and, and getting back to her mom in the nursing home. So when it comes to sports, That's the next question as part of the series hosted by Megan Lynch. Let's take a listen to it now called When Will It End? Conquering COVID. Now the latest on KMOX. 
Last spring, KMOX News reported on the measures athletic programs were trying to take to get young people back in the game during the pandemic. Parents, coaches, and players have dealt with temperature checks, limits on locker rooms, masking requirements, equipment sanitizing, travel restrictions, quarantines, cancellations, and last-minute rescheduling. As KMOX News asks, when will it end? Sports programs tell us they're prepared to do what it takes to just keep playing in the coming months. I know we're going full blow into summer basketball, but we'll keep the masks on as long as we're told we have to. And we will keep whatever procedures we have here at Kirkwood High School going because it worked. Kirkwood High School girls basketball head coach Monica Tritz doesn't want a repeat of the last year. COVID-19 interfered with not just one, but two seasons. The Kirkwood ladies were set to go to the Final Four in the spring of 2020. On the eve of the tournament, Tritz got the call her team would not be participating. Devastation doesn't describe it. I had four awesome, awesome kids that deserve to be there more than anything, uh, four seniors, and then you have to make that phone call to them. The next season was stalled as well. Tritz would typically start workouts with her new squad in the summer. Last year, those were canceled. These girls, almost all of them didn't go shoot on their own. I had probably two that I can tell you were working out. So then it's like starting over. You start from scratch where usually when you get your kids in November, you already have a base down. Once they did get back on the court, Tritz says they tested a multitude of masks and followed every guideline to ensure they could continue to play. I'm hoping next year we don't have to wear masks, but who knows what that mandate will be. I would really like to see consistency all throughout the area. Because really, you go across the river, it's different. You go to St. Louis City, it's different. You go to Jeffco, it's different. It's just St. Louis County that has their own rules. So I'd like to see consistency. I think that's fair, fair for all kids. The basketball season was disjointed at the college level as well. KMOX sports reporter Joe Pott is the voice of the Cougars at Southern Illinois University Edwardsville. They missed 35 days because of positive tests throughout the program. They had to then make all those games up, and so that caused a backlog in the schedule, and they played 18 games in 37 days. Restrictions interrupted recruitment. Training and travel routines were in flux. Now a growing number of universities around the country are saying students and faculty will be required to get a coronavirus vaccine before they can step foot on campuses this fall. I asked Joe if he thinks the athletes at SIUE would be willing to be vaccinated to ensure a smoother season next year. Ultimately, I think that if it is something that is going to help Sports get back to normal and their routine get back to where they expect it. I would imagine that most of them would be open to that idea. Even with all the challenges, squads did make it onto the court, but the experience was different. Instead of the roar of the crowds, gymnasiums echoed with the squeak of shoes. You know, a team can get the momentum from that that crowd and they can get a lift and that's not there. Some players will get a redo. The NCAA is offering another year of eligibility due to COVID. We have a women's basketball player, uh, a local player actually from Bethalto, and this would have been her senior year, but because of the extra year of eligibility that athletes are getting, she is going to come back and play another year. Meanwhile, athletic programs will have to wait for more guidance on next season. A year ago, we were saying, well, I can't wait to get to the summer when, when things are going to start opening up. And, and then it was sort of like, oh, well, maybe at least by the fall when we get back to school, things are going to. And it was every time we said that, 
It didn't happen. Hot says on the plus side, athletes learn to be flexible and athletic programs developed practices to mitigate exposure, all lessons that could transcend sports and COVID-19. Our athletic director likes to, to tell us, you know, that, that those of us that are going to be successful are going to be able to embrace that ambiguity and embrace the unknown. Megan Lynch, KMOX News. Always so good. Tomorrow is going to be the conclusion of that series. You can listen to it on Total Information AM, and Megan has done such a great job with it. I think that you will definitely enjoy it if you get a chance. Now, since this is our last show of the week, meaning that we don't have a Friday night edition of Overnight America, if you miss it in the morning, you can always go online as part of the podcast. They've been posting these at KMOX.com. And when you listen to it there, it might even be posted. In fact, I, I think they actually have it prepared and ready to go for the next day. So you, if you really wanted to hear the next in the series, you may be able to get a sneak peek and be the first kid on the block to do that. Oh, you'd be so cool, the first kid on the block, to be able to listen to that. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Overnight America with Ryan Recker is sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. You know what happens during the last hour of the last show of the week? Oh, I think you do. <laughs> so many people tell me, don't you dare get rid of Rebecca Black. Don't you dare. And I won't. So she'll join the uh, Friday crew here <laughs> after the news when we get past 11. Just a couple of stories I want to get to. And then next hour, we actually have another guest. And he's someone that's a chief marketing officer for agency partner interactive. And it's a organization that works with different companies and try to help them with their marketing, things like that. Pretty big deal out of uh, Texas, out of Dallas. Name is Adam Raziri, and he uh, is going to spend a couple of segments with us next hour to talk about how some CEOs of these large companies have to, I mean, they feel the urge, the need. America must know how Hot Pockets feels about the Georgia voting law. Now, I don't know if Hot Pockets weighed in on that, but that's just an example I use. I don't know why. Could have been any example of a national brand, but no one cares how your ice cream flavors and Ben and Jerry's weighs in on this voting laws. No one cares about that. So why do some CEOs feel the need that they have to weigh in? And why do some feel the need they have to stay out of it? So we're going to ask him about that. It's an interesting conversation. And that's going to happen in the next hour. And also, uh, Brad Young from Harris Dahl Fisher and Young, partner of the group. He's going to talk about the Supreme Court stacking the court, the idea of stacking it. S uh, not a lot of people, fans of that, unless you're super far left progressive, which uh, seems to have gotten a lot of uh, people online. If the, you can pretty much filter out your people on your Facebook or Twitter feed or whatever and know where they stand politically if they're in for stacking the deck and they want to uh, pack the Supreme Court. So. Uh, we'll have him on to talk about that, too. I saw this online. Tell me if I'm just too skeptical. Um, third Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine dose likely needed within a year, the CEO says. So they say that the regiment could also require annual vaccinations, which I think we kind of alluded to. We, we thought that oh, we're probably going to need a booster shot sometime in the future. This is what I thought. And tell me if I'm wrong to think this. There's a financial motivation for these drug companies to continue this on, to make it so that you have to continue to get the vaccine. And then I thought, well, that's interesting. Johnson & Johnson could do it with one shot. But Pfizer and Moderna and these other ones, they wanted multiple shots. 
is it possible that they saw essentially a blank check written by the government handed over to them? And this was their opportunity to really cash in. Is that possible? I, it made me wonder when they were developing it, they were saying to themselves, I want to milk this for as much as I can because we can make a ton of money. Is it wrong to think that? Is it wrong to question the motives of a drug company? Because, I mean, we've been burnt by drug companies. And in the past, we know that they've jacked these prices up, particularly here in the United States. And we subsidize a lot of the medicine from around the world because of that. And it's not fair to the American citizens that we are the ones that have to take that burden and whatever. And I thought, well, is it is it possible that it's just more of this, more of this? I don't know. It could be. Uh, but I'm, I'm probably not super wrong to think that. But at the same time, maybe I am just a little wrong. Isn't that right? Just a little, just a little tiny itsy bitsy. So what we're going to do is uh, take a break. We'll take a look at your weather and your news coming up after the break. And then if you want to find me on Facebook, it'd be great for you to connect. Ryan Wrecker Radio. That's where you go. Ryan Wrecker Radio on Twitter at Ryan Wrecker. Um, if you don't like social media, but still find yourself on it like I do. Oh, man. Just go ahead and we could complain about it together on those different uh, sources. All right. We'll be right back. One more live hour of Overnight America coming up after the break with your favorite song on KMOX. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 